This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Well, you know, you're listening to Talk Rope Nation. You might know I'm Jim Ross, the voice of AEW, and we're glad you're with us. We're going to have one hell of a podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's up, guys? Episode 186 of Top Rope Nation. It's Ryan Drosty. It's Kyle Ross. It's Justin Joint. Hot. We're, co- we're coming in hot live tonight. Just talking off air right as that intro video was rolling. But uh, yeah, we're glad to be back. We're here streaming on YouTube.com slash Top Rope Nation, or you're listening to us in your earbuds, the podcasting feed available wherever podcasts are found. And uh, Justin Joint, how is your week going? What professional wrestling have you been watching lately? Doesn't have to be current. If you've been dipping into the archives, what's been going on? Well, I've been trying that stupid damn WWE network, trying to find Ricky Steamboat versus Bret Hart from 1986 because I've been listening to the uh, Squared Circle Gazette featuring our very own Kyle Ross. Uh, where those brainiacs happen to bring up, you know, some random match, and they ha- just happen to remember the the venue, even. Um, so <laughs> I'd say that, date. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, you know, dynamite, obviously. Um, and I think I'm going to be digging in. I don't think I've ever watched it, but I want to watch that '91 uh, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan from Madison Square Garden. That is that I did find on the network while trying to search for that Bret Hart match. Uh, but other than that, I'm doing good. I'm very excited about our blood pact uh, that we all, all three of us made to grow giant Steve Borden type soul patches. So looking forward <laughs> to seeing that on all of us. Oh, yeah, I do have the beard going, as you can see here on the on the video feed. Actually, usually, though, this the soul patch, I usually kind of trim that because it starts to bother me. So mine is actually shaved right there. I don't know about you, Kyle, but I do have the uh, I got the beard going. Uh, tickles the lip of uh, every once in a while. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so what's been going on, Kyle? I mean, it's been a while. The last time we did a show was about a week and a half ago. It was our Survivor Series recap uh, on the podcasting feeds last Friday. I put up something from the archives. And so, I mean, yeah, what, what's been going on out in Ohio? What have you been watching lately? Well, 
as Justin kind of alluded to, since I am doing a podcast with our good buddy Liam O'Rourke on 1991, when I get spare time, I've been watching the 1991 World Wrestling Federation television. Such fine things as the Ultimate Warrior Undertaker casket angle. Oh, <laughs> uh, we talked a, talked a lot about that on the show, which is now up. Um, a lot of undercard stuff, but oh, I've been real busy with work. So, you know, besides Dynamite and that, haven't had much time to watch uh, random old stuff as much as I usually like to. Um, as far as my week in general, it's going a lot better than Candace Owens. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine waking up one day and finding out your husband was sleeping with your brother. Oh, man. (laughs) I don't even know how to respond to this. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you how. It's it's like the old saying goes. It only happens to the stupid ones. Oh. Oh. You've been watching these hearings over in Michigan? Not too far from you? That was entertaining. Yeah, let me rip one real quick. Oh, inspired by Rudy. Right. I can't even go. I like I want to make a lot of jokes about those people that were like that they brought on as like key witnesses, but I can't. I don't want to get this show like banned yeah. forever. Like I mean, like that drunken woman and then the racist woman. I mean, they just, you know. Real bad. Never a dull moment. Never yeah. a dull moment. It's, it's funny that like reality is funnier than SNL sometimes in some ways. Ways. I mean, a lot of things are funny than SNL. No offense, SNL fans, but uh, you watch, you're like, is this an SNL skit? I, yeah, I saw some of those clips that were going around on Twitter, and people were like, this honestly is not SNL. This is real life. This is actually happening right now. You yeah. can't go in front of a judiciary. Hey, screw it. I'm doing it. Just bleep it out. And, and go, quote, <laughs> some chow. No. You can't you do that. <laughs> it's not, not good. Not a good plan. Not good strategy. No. no. Not good taste. Not good no. anything, really. No, it's hideous. Oh, boy. Anyways. Some chow? <laughs> what kind of asshole would say something like that? Oh, boy. I'm sorry. Guys, look up the we current events out. if you don't know what we're talking about. But yes. uh, this is a glimpse into what our text threads usually look like. Yes. <laughs> uh, as far as old wrestling, what I've been watching, Kyle, uh, you'll like mm-hmm. this. I, I, I just started doing this, but uh, I've been working from home and I need something on on the background as I'm working. And so I decided to dip into the 1989 WCW archives. And uh, I'm just going to kind of go through the television in, in 89 and let that play in the background. Uh, I thought about doing 92 and they don't have a lot of that up on the network. Uh, they need to get more of it up. I, I see on the uh, the WWE Network feed on Twitter, they were advertising all this new programming coming. Not enough archival content. I need more early 90s WCW. A decent amount of Saturday night on there, don't they? It's like a, a scattered amount, I think, from 92, but it's not the full year. I wanted something okay. that had you know the what? full year. You know, it's funny. I think they start right as Watts is taking over, and a lot of the great TV matches occurred in the first four to five months right but there's like a good barry windham art anderson match in there from yeah. june i think maybe like 1990 is not really on there either no they, they got a lot that they need to add no so there's I no 89 night. Was, a, was a good starting point maybe some of that will get up by the time you know i get to it but i don't think there's any 90 or 91 tv on there other than like clashes yeah i think that's it too so, no, I've, I've been working my way through some January 89 uh, WCW. Kind of out of the background, not paying super close attention, but kind of fun. So, yeah. that is what I have been doing. It's funny how much easier older TV is to get through. 
Yes. Than today. Like, it's just like something, it's, it's just very like basic. I mean, there's pros and cons to it compared to today. I mean, you know, again, if it's just something you can have on the background, it's probably not the greatest thing in the world, but um, it's just an easy watch. That format, I, I really learned to appreciate the old Superstars format as I blew through the 91 television. That's another thing is that they need to add a lot of WWF superstars to the network too. A lot of that is missing as well. So I'm you know, all down I, I for think the archive content. To, I think it's because it used to be called superstars of wrestling and they have to um, like beep it out or something. There was some lawsuit or something going uh, on why that they don't have a lot of that on there. Mm-hmm. That's too bad. I hope they get that figured out because I, mm-hmm. I want to watch that era. I, mean, I love going back when we talk about it top rope nation classics on patreon and we do we do the old shows it's a lot of fun but i need to you know my memory of that era the television is is so scattered and not very clear because i was pretty young so i want to go through and kind of relive it so uh, i'm waiting for those additions to the network but 89 is fun obviously that's a really uh, iconic year in the uh, the wcw slash nwa lineage so uh looking forward to that but uh guys if you've if you've never listened to the podcast before we drop new episodes every friday and then uh when there's a pay-per-view we usually go live on our youtube page uh right afterwards youtube.com slash top rope nation but if you're listening on apple Podcasts today please be so kind as to subscribe and tap that five star rating if you're listening on spotify please follow the show as we try to climb the wrestling chart spotify has been a, a good avenue of growth for us and the more followers we have on spotify the better uh, each follow really helps us out. And if you'd like to support the show in the best way possible and gain exclusive bonus content, like our monthly bonus podcast I just mentioned, Top Rope Nation Classics, and our weekly exclusive members-only live video cast, which we are doing right now. We are streaming live on our YouTube page exclusively for Patreon supporters as we record the show. This, this video will publish to the world tomorrow evening. But if you want it a day early, effectively get the podcast a day early each and every week patreon.com slash top rope nation you get the members only live video cast the the uh monthly bonus podcast and a free gift for signing up so guys we got a lot to talk about tonight uh we're gonna talk hold on one thing about top rope nation classic i was very pleased ryan you posted in our facebook group today uh Today is the anniversary, I believe the ninth or the 29-year anniversary it would be of This Tuesday in Texas, a show uh, you and I covered, a, a wonderful show. The only thing that was not good about that show is that Justin Joint was not there. That's true. Hmm. Recorded it during the day back in September. It's that. I mean, I, I say this a lot, but it truly is one of our best classics episodes. Those, those classics episodes you can only get on Patreon. Honestly, I spend probably three to four times as long editing those as I do our regular feed shows because I add in, you know, so many bonus audio clips and it's a ton of fun. You know, a very small amount of people actually listen to them. But I mean, I go above and beyond. So, you you know, you donate five bucks a month to Top Rope Nation on Patreon. I want to give you your money's worth. And those shows are usually about two hours. Uh, you get one, at least one bonus show a month on Patreon. And, and yeah, that one was I really enjoyed the this Tuesday in Texas look back. So, yeah, patreon.com slash top rope nation. Check it out. Best way to support the show. So, as we record, it's Thursday night. And last night, of course, we had the Wednesday night wars. But most people, I think, were interested in AEW. And that's saying something since NXT has a takeover show this Sunday night, War Games. They do? <laughs> Believe it or not. But uh, AEW, winter is coming, inspired by Game of Thrones, of course. 
uh, featured a lot of newsworthy items. I want to talk about all of them. Uh, but uh, I guess right off the bat, I know we all watched the show. I mean, what did you think? Uh, what, I guess the first hour of the show wasn't as newsworthy as the second hour, which we're really going to deep dive into. But is there anything from the first hour of the show you guys wanted to talk about? What What did we like? Nothing that it really needs to go in depth on. But I, my favorite part from the first hour was just that interaction on the uh, outside apron during the battle royal between Sammy and Jungle Boy. They had, they had a really fun back and forth trying to eliminate each other there. Mm-hmm. Kyle, what about you? I thought that that was a well-done battle royal, actually, and it showed that you can you know, have a lot of meaningful stories in there, especially if you like juxtapose it with that hideous battle royal that WWE lit off with at Survivor Series. I know some people get mad when we say one is better than the other, but come on. <laughs> The Battle Royal last night was far superior to the WWE Battle Royal Survivor Series. I mean, where it was just guys basically waiting to get eliminated and they would mm. do their spot and it was over. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that was teased within that Battle Royal that I found somewhat intriguing. And uh, yeah, that, that was okay. And um, But yeah, the second hour is, is what I think we should probably get into here. That's what people yeah. I mean, came to hear listen was- about. The first hour, it was a well-paced show. It was a good show. Uh, Jericho didn't look so great in the ring, but uh, I mean, you get to that second hour, and <laughs> my my wife goes, "Chris Jericho's kind of fat." Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, man, yay! It's the one wrestler I can identify with—a guy, you know, <laughs> putting on some pounds, got a little bit of a belly, past his prime. One of my favorites oh, for all those reasons." Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the, the most newsworthy thing that really got people buzzing at the start of the second hour, obviously, was a shock to everybody, I think, watching. I mean, there had been rumors that he might be coming and to the AEW, and they had removed his merchandise from the WWE shop, you know, which led to some rumors. Uh, but Sting making his return to TNT for the first time in almost 20 years, just under 20 years, go back to 2000, early 2001, uh, coming out as uh, there was an attack going on from Taz and and his men on uh, Cody Rhodes. What did you guys make of this? I mean, how how pumped were you to see Sting make his return, Justin Joy? And I know you were a big Stinger fan as a kid. Well, I got to tell you, it, my I liked it. Just I'll start off with that. I, I thought it was pretty cool. I liked the the effect with the snow, but my excitement was even made more so because. When the music hit and it was showing all the the wintry forest and snowy mountains and stuff like that, my initial thought was, oh, Glacier, this is going to be kind of cool. I thought that too. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Not going to lie. No. So, so, yes. Yeah. Not I in legit that thought spot. It was, I, Not thought, in that I thought it was going to be Glacier. Do it. Oh, my God. You're kidding me. <laughs> um, so when I mean, Sting came out. My mind. Yeah. It, so when Sting came out, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh I wish he would have gone with more of a old man sting aesthetic, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get into it soon. I've got some serious doubts about the stinger going forward. How photoshopped was that picture they put up about sting is all elite. Did you guys see that? And on yeah. his merchandise, yeah. the hair is very photoshopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just like I said, it popped through my head too. When you see the snow and like the what was on the video screen, it was hard not to think of him. I did think at the same time, like, no, I'm, I doubt in this position. But 
that was one of the first things that went through my mind. It honestly, when that started up, I didn't think of Sting at all. Like it until his name came no. on the screen, I had no idea that that was. Wow, wow, Kyle, what'd you think? I mean, the rumors had been there, so I was kind of thinking, all right, this is kind of like a Stingish thing. Did you really Obviously. associate like the wilderness and snow with Sting? I mean, that's why it shocked me. I don't know. It just it just seemed like something that that might lead to him. I I, I don't know. I mean. The name came up. I said, this could be Sting. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I was not like totally shocked. Uh, as far as Sting in AEW moving forward, I think that's the big question and what we should talk about. It's an impossible question to answer right now. I'm going to tell you, Ryan Drosty, uh, ask me again in four to six months because the idea of evaluating, you know, is this good for AEW? I don't know. They have a plan, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is. So once we see it unfold, then we'll evaluate. I mean, let's go back to the night he debuted in WWE 2014, the Survivor Series. I thought that was a really cool debut. Helped uh, Dolph Ziggler Mm -hmm. win that big elimination match. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, confronted Triple H. That was cool. By the time WrestleMania was over, I didn't think Sting's run was very cool. (laughs) They, They had an idea for him, you know, to work Triple H and it wound up being this kind of stupid extension of the Monday Night Wars, you know, a couple decades later that no one really needed to see. And like Triple H was like inexplicably the baby face for like 30 minutes mm-hmm. before going back heel for that Rock Ronda segment later in the show. That was such a good WrestleMania. And I, I you think know on the show before, like the last great WrestleMania, maybe. Uh, but I did not like that match either. I, I thought that was like maybe at the, the time point. it seemed cool. I'm going to tell you something. I went back and watched that WrestleMania uh, within the last year, I would say. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it as much. I'm going to be honest with you. It did not age well. Like you watch it and you're like, none of this meant a thing. I mean, the ascension of of Rollins at the end was cool. It's one of the great endings was, to wrestling. It, it was well, yeah. It was a great way to f- get out of a booking quandary. It I was, think that I think that the the early part of the show and the end part of the show, like Brian early in the show with the IC title, and then mm-hmm. Rollins the way it ended. Yeah, I think it was bookended nicely, and it was okay. it was shorter. Like there was, well, I don't know what the runtime was, but there was less matches than we. Than we that was the la- okay. That was the last quote short WrestleMania, right? Yeah, it, it would, or I should say, last non-marathon WrestleMania. Yeah, um, but you know they're gonna have a plan for him. Um, I give AEW the benefit of the doubt. Some people may think that's biased. I don't. I think it's you know they have a year track record. We'll talk about it uh, more uh, when we talk about Kenny Omega and Don Callis and what they did at the end of the show. But they have a track record AEW of you know having a long-term vision when they bring somebody in or, or they start a storyline. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what it is. If Sting makes Darby Allen a bigger star, then that's good. That doesn't yeah. have to be what he's brought in for, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. You know, my reservations or concerns are, especially concerning what he can do for the, the other talent is, number one, I don't really want to see him bump around in the ring at all. I don't want to see him get very, you know, physical because, you know, I, I got a very clear uh, memory of the last time he was in the ring. Mm-hmm. And yeah. my other, my other concern is that his promo style for me has never worked with this crow sting. It, it, to me, it was fine with surfer sting, but I, I don't really care for his delivery for the most part. So 
you know, it's a multi-year deal that he's apparently signed. And I, I just, I don't know what he's going to bring to the product other than pointing a bat at people. But, but, and having said that, I totally get why they did this, why they brought him in right. to lure, to lure in those old fans. And you know, another thing, you talk about track record of last year, AEW does a good job when it brings in stars of yesteryear to supplement its current roster. And, you know, they don't like overshadow the the current stars that Mm -hmm. they're looking to promote on a weekly basis. It's not like, you know, WWE, when an old guy comes back, you know, like Raw Reunion, it's like, all right, let's push everyone current out of the way. Forget about those jobbers you watch the other 50 weeks, one weeks of the year. Here's the stars of yesteryear, the people you really care about. So, again, it's you cannot evaluate this thing, Sting and AEW, good or bad. I'm not playing that game, man. Ask me in six months when we see what the plan was, and I'll say, yeah, that worked. No, it didn't work. Yeah, I I like that they brought him in. I I agree that it's hard to evaluate right now until we see how he's used. I don't think his role his role can be that he's gonna bump around just because of his health. I mean, this is a guy who was nearly put in a wheelchair or worse. Yeah. And, and Meltzer made it seem that he's not going to take many, yeah. if any, bumps. If they do anything, I mean, it's gonna have to be like cinematic. Uh, you know, like I could see him, I could see him doing something where like Sting has to go to the Hardy compound. <laughs> kind of thing uh at some point but i think it's going to be hard to completely stay away from him like ever working i feel like they're going to have to do something at some point if he's going to be hanging around but like this isn't a situation where i had this back and forth with someone earlier who was saying oh this is exactly like when goldberg came to the wwe and people you know bash that but they like sting and they're hypocrites and stuff but like goldberg came in to take the universal title from kevin owens and to main event a title match at wrestlemania uh that's not gonna be and he's worked several times you know that's not gonna be the role of sting i wouldn't be shocked if he does have a match at some point but it'll be like very disguised but i don't think they're similar at all like goldberg was very clearly brought into work and that's not what they're doing with sting like that's not as going to be his main focus so i don't think they're i don't think they're that similar for the uh, record i liked bill goldberg that first i know you did come back in <laughs> wwe so i'm not hypocritical <laughs> go back in the archives you can hear us talk all about that when they brought god goldberg. survivor series 2016 what a match we did a post show it's in they the it's on youtube that. as well youtube and uh, the <laughs> podcasting feed they should all be that good football is back in full swing you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site 
according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The world title match, obviously that's why people tuned in. Uh, The reports were going in that uh, they could have upwards of an hour of television time, that they could have an overrun if they needed to. Um, But the the match got started a little bit later than I was expecting, so it's pretty clear they weren't going an hour at that point in time. Uh, And I think we talked about this on the show recently, a couple of weeks ago. We talked about, uh, was this the right time to make a title switch for Kenny Omega? And I think all of us agreed at the time, Yes. And I want to just throw it around the horn. Did you guys still think that this was the right time to take the title off of Moxley? And uh, what did you think with the the way the finish went? What did you think about the match itself? Maybe we should start out by what did you think about the match itself? Uh, throw it to Justin first. It started off a bit slow for me, a bit of a snooze. Uh, you know, as most good matches go, really picked up at the end and there was stuff about the finish I found a little hokey, the breaking out the chairs and just slapping each other. I was, I don't know how I feel about that one. Um, the execution of throwing Omega into the heaters to the outside, it, it didn't look at all like as big of a deal as they made it seem to be. Um, and I guess my only other minor complaint or nitpick would be, let's turn up the volume on that mic for when he hits him because it sounded the exact same as when he just kind of tossed it to the side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those minor nitpicks away, it was, I thought it was still really good. I, they, at the very least, it, it was an extremely entertaining uh, and, a, and a well-planned out, if you're going to take the title off of Moxley, I, I think that was a pretty smart way of doing it. Okay. Kyle. Yeah, it was absolutely the right time to do the title change because you look at Kenny Omega's character change, if he loses in that situation, I don't know what you do with him. You've got to go like a completely different direction. Right. Uh, so it made sense, you know, Moxley may be taking time off now and he may be working new Japan start of the year. We speculated on that. I think the last time we all got together, um, as far as the match itself, I think it just takes a backseat to the angle and that I'm totally cool with that. We don't have that enough in modern wrestling. Mm -hmm. You know, every met, the story doesn't always need to be match quality. It really doesn't folks. It really doesn't. I know that's a hard thing for people in 2020 to hear, but it done. I like the idea where we're just talking about the angle and where does it go? That's the way episodic wrestling works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, the match, I mean, you don't want to say it was irrelevant because it was World Tantra, but like it, it's, you know, in terms of, oh, was it like a, a classic or was it the right amount of time? It, doesn't matter. I, I liked what they did at the end. Um, 
I really like, and then we can, I guess, use this to transition into the angle, how they used Don Callis previous to this. Yeah. And it was, so it was not angle alert at all. Mm -hmm. Not that I, so what? It was the Omega Page match, the pay-per-view that Don Callis commentated, right? Yes. Okay. So, you know, it's not like I thought that was an angle alert when he showed up. I'm like, oh, they just have Don Callis because he's friends yeah. with Kenny Omega, and they always, you know, love to have four commentators at that table for whatever reason. So when Callis showed up again last night, you didn't think anything of it, and that's like a really cool detail to me because, yeah. like, at WWE, like if they brought somebody on as a random commentator, they're probably doing something, right? You, you've been trained to think that. And that's actually kind of crappy writing, to be quite frank. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, it was something you did not expect to see, and it worked out really well. Yeah, uh, we're going to get in the finish here. I'll say a couple of things from my vantage point on this. Uh, going in, I felt like this was the last U.S. match of the year that's going to have a chance. Well, I thought going in that might have a chance you know, to top the tag match from Revolution as match of the year here in North America. I haven't seen enough of the New Japan stuff to say overall match of the year yet. I need to go back and watch some of it. Uh, but as far as North American match of the year goes, I think the Revolution tag with Omega and Page against the Bucks is by far the match of the year. And I thought if there's anything else that's going to have a chance before the end of the calendar year, this is probably the last one. So as far as match quality goes, my expectations were pretty high. And I would agree with Justin. I thought you know, it started slow, but I, I expected it to pick up. That's how Omega's longer matches, you know, will usually go. Um, I thought it was a really good match, but not, you know, not close to a contender for match of the year. I just, I thought it was a good match. I thought the... It wasn't intended to be, though. It was no, intended it was to be not. an angle match, which right. is okay. And how long do they wind up going? Does any, anyone know? I think it was around 30 minutes. Okay. I, I'm not quite sure, though. I'll look it up while you're talking. All right, l- l- let me throw this around the horn. I'll throw it to Justin first, then when you look it up. You know, there's talk of, oh, they might go an hour or something like that. I-, I heard that. I was like, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. 28, yeah, 28. You're right. I mean, yeah. when people, like I saw some people like, oh, they're going to go past the hour. Oh, they're going to do a Broadway on TV. They're going to start at the top of the hour. They're going to have the whole last hour to themselves. I'm like, no, don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah 28 minutes and 28 seconds. That's that's a very long match. Yeah. <laughs> Believe it or not. You know, there was a time when that would have been considered, oh my God, they went almost a half hour. So I, I had no problem as far as the uh length of the match goes whatsoever. Um, something I wanted to say that I thought of when you were talking about the the story of the match was the finish, and we don't have enough of that. Uh I'm gonna use a personal example from watching this. Uh so my five year old watched this match with me and she doesn't usually watch wrestling. And honestly, she came to watch the match with me because she was trying to avoid going to bed. <laughs> mm, all been there. there. But I was there like, you know what? I told my wife, I said, Megan, she's going to, she's watching this with me. I'll put her to bed when it's over. Right. So she watched it and she was into it. And when that finish came, this is a five-year-old that's, you know, not really into wrestling. She wanted to like, see it again. She asked me to rewind. She went, so what happened there? How did Kenny win? And she was cheering <laughs> for Moxley. How did Kenny? And so we like went back and it was like examining the Zapruder film. And I'm like, so I'll see the, yeah. see the mic there. He drops the mic and then Kenny gets it and he hits it. And we watched that and she was so intrigued. And I said to her, I said, this makes you want to watch the next one, doesn't it? And she said, yeah, it does. And I said, that is what wrestling needs right there. We don't have enough of that in WWE no. where you want to tune in the next week. They don't no. really do that continuity anymore. No, even like Survivor Series, which you talked about, had like three good matches. But it didn't really like make you want to see what 
those performers were doing next. Right. Right. Um, I have a question. Uh, did your daughter uh, figure out that Kenny Omega was turning heel? <laughs> she knew right off the bat, man. Okay. I'm raising Five-year- her smart. <laughs> okay. Just, just so we're clear. It's a, it's a five-year-old, everybody. Just, just say. It was pretty just clear say. he was a bad guy to her. I Yeah, we had the discussion. Bad guy, good guy. And just she actually, saying. Actually, hey. that's funny you say that because she did say to me, she said, how come Kenny acts like that? Why is he naughty? So, yes, she did actually realize that. That's it's funny. a five-year-old that saw the heel turn coming, everybody. That's really Just funny. saying. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, the finish with Don Callis, I mean, like you said, Kyle, I didn't expect it. Uh, and then when he runs off with the belt and then he says he'll find out on Tuesday and they're doing this intra-promotional angle with Impact Wrestling, I mean, my first thought was, okay, if they're going to work an interpromotional story, you know, most of the hardcores would want it to be with New Japan, right? But, like, that's not really feasible. <laughs> right? yeah, okay, so I'm going to say that right now. So in my notes I have, I have another comment that will be somewhat obvious when I make it. And that comment is, yes, if Don Callison said, we're going to Japan, you're going to have to tune in to find that out. <laughs> like, think about how much even more fired up the fan base would be than they are right now. I just don't think it's feasible because, well, first of all, they're not on cable like, or Twitch, you know, like impact wrestling is. And Uh, and also there's a lot of recognizable names in impact that this fan base knows that have been in WWE recently, uh, you know, or yeah, I mean, in the same sphere of, of wrestling independence that a lot of the AEW stars have too. Uh, not that there's not an in New Japan, but I think there is a lot of good crossover potential. And I think the biggest thing and what most people were talking about last night is if these two promotions are working together, you know, what's the major weakness of AEW? And obviously it's the women's division and Impact has a very good women's division. So, I mean, that's where I think you're going to see probably some good crossover. I'm sure there's going to be some in the men's, but maybe not as much as some people are expecting. But I think the I think the women's division is where you're going to see them benefit a lot. And frankly... I think what AEW is doing and working with NWA and working with Impact is pretty cool because they realize they're in this kind of like primo spot where they're on TNT and they're drawing big numbers. They're outdrawing NXT almost every single week. And they can say to Impact, like, oh, you want to work something with us? That's fine. But, you know, we get to use your women's roster, you know, so they're they're getting they're benefiting out of the relationship probably you know the most and as far as like to uh i don't know if it's fair to say the most impact it's going to bring eyeballs to impact for sure but it's benefiting AEW where you know they have a weakness and they're going to elevate their women's division so i think you know if they want to do this and they want to use nwa and they want to use maybe ring of honor at some point if they want to use impact you know all these smaller organizations to really kind of take it to WWE. I think that's a good thing. So, I mean, I don't have any problem with this. I think it's awesome. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see where it goes. And and keep in mind what's going on here in 2020. I don't know if you guys know this, there's a pandemic COVID. So yeah. So logistically there would be issues working with new Japan, even if you wanted to, Mm -hmm. you know, on a regular basis. I mean, that's just something that logistically may not be able to happen. All right. Uh, I've got two things that I want to hit on this. Number one, when do you think this decision was made? Well, from what I was reading, it sounds like almost nobody knew about it. 
that there was some talk that something might happen, but it was like really under the radar. I think pretty recently, don't you? Well, I mean, like you pointed out earlier, Callus was at that commentating the Omega page met. You would have to think they knew about it then. I agree with that. Or they brought him in and then it that became like the genesis of the idea too. Okay, this is a promotion, and I've said this, I think this will be the third time. They long-term book, which WWE does not do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, little stuff like that battle royal. It's very clear they know at some point MJF and Wardlow will split and have a feud. Okay, and they, and they tease these things so that you can go back to them down the line. It rewards the viewer. To me, I kind of agree with what Justin said. I think... I think once Don Callis was brought in, the wheels were already in motion and they, you know, Tony Khan, the creative, you know, whoever else is calling the shots creatively was like, you know, this is a smart move. Let's put Callis on commentary for this match. So when we bring him out for the big angle, no one suspects anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the time it was just, we're all, and you know, Meltzer said it and I figured it was too. It's just a favorite of Kenny Omega. Oh, we're just going to have, you know, his buddy commentate mm-hmm. his match. But I think, you know, again, this figures to be uh, factoring heavily into the next pay-per-view, which is not until, I believe, the end of February. Yeah. But but it factors heavily in. They probably had that in mind already. My my guess is this is a promotion that knows where it wants to be at the next pay-per-view when the current one's going on. So I, I think I think this is, I don't know, I can't tell you, I don't know the answer. I think it's been in place for, I don't know. Full Gear was just a, under a month ago. So yeah, I, a month, be, before, before that. I, I think longer. they came up with the idea. I think they're like, okay, we know what we want to do with Kenny. He's going to turn heel. What do we do with that character? I think once the decision was made that Kenny Omega is going to become the lead heel in this promotion, that is when I think they started exploring this. Mm. I, I could be wrong, but I, 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 I'll take a guess that that might be the answer. I, I'd be willing to bet it, it also kind of started when Impact had that influx of new talent where they kind of grabbed a bunch of those WWE guys and uh, started grabbing a little bit more eyeballs. One thing, though, I would I would say that maybe they had an idea that they were going to do this, but maybe not when, is that, you know, next next week's Impact is already filmed and they didn't shoot anything with Omega for that. So whenever that was shot, either they couldn't get him to come in. I mean, they don't have any crowd there at all. So spoilers, you know, wouldn't have got out unless they just didn't want anyone in the back talking about it, I guess. But I guess apparently they're they're bringing in Omega to shoot something on Tuesday, the same day that the next Impact airs. So <laughs> I was already thinking about this because I always get I get screeners of Impact uh, like late Tuesday morning before it airs, media copies, and so Ooh. I was kind of yeah, I was kind of thinking like, oh, I wonder if Humble I'll see brag. something early. But <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna. But here's the point: it's not gonna be on there because they're probably as a, you know, I get that email if they even do send out a screener, an income it'd be an incomplete screener. They probably won't send out anything because they're not gonna have the Omega piece ready at that point. So uh, it'll, it'll force people to tune in. You can watch. I mean, Impact streams for free on twitch which i think is a cool move for them uh and uh i guess what channel are you even on now access mm-hmm. yeah so yeah. not a lot of people have access but if you got the internet you can watch them on twitch so uh yeah i mean I, I think twitch, it's pretty cool is that like twitter 
It's uh, it's a o- it's old a man join over here doesn't know what it's Twitch like YouTube, is. but it's mostly used. <laughs> Funny oh. you mention that because I've thought about streaming our shows on Twitch. It's mostly used for like game streamers, like Okadrian, who I had on the the AEW video game show we did. He's a big time streamer on Twitch. Uh, has a pretty good size audience on there. He's really good at what he does. Uh, but other Do like I have pod- to like. Do I have to sign up? In no, order you to can watch. watch. It? I mean, just like YouTube, you can just go to the page and watch. Yeah. Uh, okay. Impact has like an official page on there with like information and then the video stream at the top. There's a chat room, uh, and so yeah. I mean, anyone anyone can watch it. I but it's mostly game streamers, but some podcasts also yes, you, use it. You, you, and I thought about have, streaming ours there. So you, you may have heard that the, several WWE performers were recently told. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no go yeah. on Twitch. All right. So you guys have mentioned this directly, indirectly already. Uh, I, I think the fascinating thing to delve into is what does AEW get out of this? Okay. okay so, so they have an idea. And you mentioned the women's division. Yes, I agree. Um, let's speak more broadly, though, is what I want to do. Kenny Omega, I know when he's gone on Meltzer's show, has talked about wanting an open border policy with other promotions. I think it's smart Mm -hmm. because, you know, throughout the history of wrestling, there was this freedom of movement that existed really up until the end of the Monday Night Wars where where people could, and they could stay fresh. They could stay relevant. You you didn't, you know, Dolph Ziggler being in the WWE for over a decade was not a thing. Until this last decade. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's lots of pe- individual performers who could benefit um, on both sides. I think there's, you know, in, people in Impact who could benefit from the added exposure being on TNT. I think there's folks on the undercard in AEW who could benefit by going somewhere else. When you think about it, the top of the card in AEW is pretty well set, right? You've got the elite, you've got. Moxley, Jericho, MJF, um, they're trying to elevate Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen. Um, if you're not one of those people, you know, it's kind of tough to get a spot. And, you know, like if you're like Jungle Boy or something like that, who we see potential in, but he's clearly not going to be pushed to the top right now. Uh, or Top Flight is another act that I would think of when I was watching. It would behoove you to work somewhere else, become over, and then come back. So I think from that perspective, I see a benefit. I love freedom of movement in this industry. Always have it. The lack of freedom of movement within WWE is one of the things I hate the most about that product. Keeps people fresh. Yes. Yes. You just don't want to see the same people in the same promotion for like five, six years, mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of being booked in circles. I still think it's cool. Like you could go to, you know, on dynamite, they could, you know, show stills or show footage of, you know, what has top flight been up to? And, mm-hmm. you know, they show what they've been doing somewhere else. And it kind of builds up the hype for their AEW return then. Yes. Yeah. And this is the way it always used to be. People yeah. bounce around from territory to territory. And, and that's so, I mean, I, I'm very intrigued to see who moves where. I just think, you know, fresh matchups are key Mm -hmm. in in this business. And so I think that's kind of the one added benefit. Now, I will say this. I think 
you know, we should be objective and fair. You know, impact is kind of the scourge of the industry. <laughs> so um, we shall see just how much AEW benefits, except from that beyond that sort of logistical uh, way of freedom of movement. I, I don't think, uh, you know, there's any like big stars that are going to make a huge impact, pun intended, uh, you know, on AEW's television right off the rip. And I'm also a little worried that, you know, if I'm in AEW, I'm like, all right, how can we build this brand? How can we make this bigger? How can we attract more viewers? You know, I think having people watch another television show would not have been high on my list. I think that since they're, I mean, they're not head to head, so I don't think it's a problem. I think, you know, you're asking mm-hmm. people to watch another wrestling show. It's on the day before. It's kind of nice that they're back to back like that, honestly, if they're, if they're working an angle like this. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. I don't know. I just think it comes to I me mean, again. I, I think, you know, there's a lot of wrestling on TV. I, I love how dynamite like dynamite is a, usually a quick two hours. I mean, mm-hmm. two hours is always 120 minutes, no matter how you slice it. Okay. Yeah. But dynamite, when the show's over, I'm typically excited about the next week. You know, they already have the next week's matches laid out for you. Um, yeah. They've teased them. Um, you know, I think saying, Hey, fan base, here's another hour of TV that we want you to watch. That's not always a panacea. Mm. so i we, we shall see yeah i mean i think um, i think what you said about impact being you know having that bad reputation is certainly true i think it's improved this year i mean they do have a really good roster right now but yeah we're gonna say something justin well i was gonna say it to me it kind of feels like the inverse of when ecw originally kind of invaded wwf where uh ecw is kind of the, the buzzy underdog Whereas that's kind of AEW right now against WWE. And at that time, WWE was kind of, or WWF, I suppose, was the kind of stale uh, promotion that's been around for a while. And that's kind of impact. Mm-hmm. So it, I just found that kind of interesting. It just, it feels like that moment only kind of reversed. And you're referring to 1996, 1997. That yes. period, correct? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, just some of the names. What I thought was cool was that right after this happened, there was talent on Twitter, like, basically fantasy booking themselves against, you know, other other people. Like, uh, I think it was FTR talked about the North right off the bat, the tag team of Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, you know, one of the best tag teams in Impact. Ethan Page might not be in Impact that much longer. I think his contract is coming due, and WWE has interest there. But uh, I, I'd like to see something with the North working FTR for sure. Uh, you look at the rest of the men's division, Willie Mack, Chris Bay, Eddie Edwards, Sammy Callahan, Rich Swan. Obviously, the Good Brothers are there, Anderson and Gallows. You got the Motor City Machine Guns. But like I said earlier, most importantly, the women's division. Jordan Grace, Tennille Dashwood, Deanna Perrazzo, Taya Valkyrie. They used to have Kylie Ray. And uh, Tessa Blanchard, it would have been nice if those two were around. But, uh, I mean, still, what they have there is really strong and can definitely help prop up uh, AEW's women's division, which they've been trying to do with the NWA. So, I mean, I think this only helps out there as well. But, uh, yeah, any other comments you guys have on this? Want to cover it? Yeah, I think so. I just, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Um, You know, and I'm not going to say it's good, bad, or otherwise until I 
kind of get an inkling what direction it is. I, I think, um, you know, it's it's a vehicle to get people to boo Kenny Omega too. I think we should mention that. You know, it's always a challenge in modern wrestling if the fan base likes someone as a performer it's often difficult to get them to be booed. I think, you know, Kenny Omega taking the title to this other promotion, kind of turning his back on AEW. I think that's a way, I don't know, if, again, if it's good or bad, to get people to boo him moving forward. Because mm-hmm. that's clearly the goal and what they're going for. Oh, yeah, 100%. I just hope he uses some black spray paint and sprays impact onto the title. <laughs> oh, my, my God, God. no. No. Oh man. A <laughs> hundred years down the drain. <laughs> oh. All right. So <laughs> we wanted to, we wanted to I wanted up. to make a joke, but I it's totally out of context. It'll be offended. I wanted like, you know, it's too bad the late Gene Okerlund couldn't say, my God, he's raping the impact title. Ooh. <laughs> we talked about that on Squared Circle Gazette, the liberal use of the term rape mm-hmm. in early nineteen ninety one WWF. <laughs> Damien was raped by Earthquake. Sergeant Slaughter raped Hulk Hogan with a fireball. <laughs> Neither of those things are rape, folks, yeah. just so you're clear. Well, I mean... I only I, did a semester in law school, but I know that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I yeah, I'm intrigued, though. I We'll see where mm-hmm. this is headed, but uh, intrigue is good in wrestling, and, and oftentimes is missing too much in recent years, so <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I also feel I am the only person who still thinks of Don Callis as the jackal. I saw nope, a lot of Jackal here. references last night. Okay, yeah, like I feel like everyone just talks about his post, you know, Cyrus and every, you know, the commentary work he's done in New Japan and you know stuff he's done in Impact, obviously. But whatever I see, I, I can't unsee the Jackal. Yeah, and I always think to myself, what if him and Rick Martel had come in as a heel tag team in 1997? <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. Let's move on. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We ha- we ha- we wanted to talk about this, but uh, the wrestling world this week had a very big loss. Uh, one of the yes. legendary performers in the industry, Pat Patterson. Got to talk a little Pat Patterson to, to close out this broadcast. So, I mean, anyone who's been watching wrestling for even throughout the 2000s, but definitely for a long period of time, is familiar with Pat Patterson. Uh, and I just wanted to go through... You know, kind of his history in the business, talk about some of the highlights, and then I'll probably end up, I'm just going to give you a broad overview, and then I'll probably throw it to Kyle, because he's our top historian on this show, and see what he has to add. But, um, I mean, when we look back at the show tonight, we had a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Obviously, this isn't fun. It, it was a huge loss, as I said. You saw tributes pouring in from all over the industry, uh, including The Rock, who was kind of like the protege of Pat Patterson when he got, got into the wrestling business and he had a heartfelt tribute out there to Patterson. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, WWE Hall of Famer, first ever WWE Intercontinental Champion. He was 79 years old, passed away on Wednesday, December 2nd. Uh, he had been rushed to the hospital on November 27th uh, due to a blood clot in his liver. So, Patterson was known, as I said, as the first ever Intercontinental Champion in the then WWF. He was the WWF North American Heavyweight Champion at the time, and he became the inaugural Intercontinental Champion September 1st, 1979. And uh, some little bit of 
trickery going on here because it was said he had unified his title uh, with the South American Heavyweight Championship in a tournament in Rio de Janeiro, although the tournament and the South American Championship were entirely fictional. So that wink, was wink. Made love up that. story. Yes, yes. <laughs> made up I story. Love, I love that part in the uh, Over the Edge introductions when uh, Finkel says he won a grueling one-night tournament in Rio de Janeiro, and Jim Ross goes, wink, wink. And that was like the first... <laughs> that, that was a fun breaking down of the fourth wall that they had started doing during that period. And by the way, they uh, the PWI Almanac, do you remember who they said he beat in the final? Oh, I had that. I'm trying to remember. Um, I can't remember. Ted DiBiase. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you're watching the YouTube stream right now, you are looking at a picture of Pat Patterson with that original Intercontinental Championship belt. And, uh, I mean, that's what he, he was known for then in the WWF. But, I mean, he had a long, storied yes. career before that moment in time. Um, he was also known, of course, not only as the, the first Intercontinental Champion, but as one of Vince McMahon's most trusted advisors. He was the vice president of talent relations instrumental in building the WWF and then into the WWE period here in the 2000s. Uh, He was one of the most trusted men in the locker room, especially when it comes to the psychology of putting matches together. Uh, He famously created the Royal Rumble concept, which was inspired by his days working for Roy Shire, who had a Cow Palace Battle Royale in San Francisco, California. Uh, But in addition to being the inaugural IC champion, Patterson was a legendary wrestler in Northern California. As I said, he was the top single star in the territory through most of the 70s, specifically 72 through 77. Uh, But before that, he famously tagged with Ray Stevens. They were the Blonde Bombers, one of the best tag teams, and Patterson, one of the best tag team wrestlers of all time. That team originally achieved stardom in the mid-60s in San Francisco, as well as Hawaii. Huge stars in Hawaii whenever they would fly in. And they tagged together off and on right up until holding the AWA tag titles in the late 70s. Then Patterson moved to the WWF, had a memorable feud with Bob Backlund. That included four straight sellouts at Madison Square Garden. I think it's a record that still stands as far as like the same guys working matches. Uh, and then he and Sergeant Slaughter, and this is one I'm going to ask Kyle about, uh, had a, a really famous, incredible alley fight in 1981 that was the match of the year that year. Uh, of course, later he refereed the main event of the first WrestleMania featuring Hulk Hogan and Mr. T taking on Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff. Muhammad Ali was on the outside. Muhammad Ali had been advertised as a special referee, but because of Ali's deteriorating health, it's obvious that he wasn't going to be able to do that. So they kept him on the outside, and at you know, kind of the last minute, they added in Pat as the referee in the ring. Um, lastly, must be mentioned, Patterson, a legendary singer when it comes to karaoke, always bringing down the house with his rendition of Frank Sinatra's My Way. In, in the business, he was... Really, really well known for that. Uh, but Kyle, I mean, first of all, the, the viewers are seeing this on the on the screen. That 1981 match with Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, have you seen that? What do you know about that match? You're our history guy here. Thoughts on that, or in just Patterson in general? Yeah, yeah, it's really good by 1981 standards, particularly 1981 WWF standards. So if you haven't seen it, I would advise you to check it out. Is it the 1981 match of the year? Maybe. You put me on the spot. I'm trying to think what would be a contender in 1981. According to Meltzer, it was the match of the year. 
Okay. Well, you know, and who am I to doubt Dave? So yeah, I mean, <laughs> that would it, never it, happen on this program. No, 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 not at all. So I mean, it might be, I mean, it is like I said, it's it's really good by eighty one standards. Um, look, you want to succinctly state Pat Patterson's legacy? I'll do it like this. I think you can make a very strong argument that he is the most important person in the history of the WWF slash E behind the scenes that was not a McMahon or in that family. Mm-hmm. He, it, Hard to it disagree. Was, yeah. yeah, it was said that he, he was one of the few people uh, that could change Vince McMahon's mind. That's a very short list of people who've been able to do that. So my hat's <laughs> off to him. Uh, you mentioned his creation of the Royal Rumble. Remind me to tell you guys this. I'll tell you more of the story off air. Uh, I offended someone very deeply once when I said, eh, I don't think the Royal Rumbles have been very good since Pat Patterson stopped booking them. <laughs> I could tell you that before. First, I got real, yeah. real, yeah, up, I know real who first, I got real upset when I said that. <laughs> um, so, uh, fun times. But uh, and I'll stand by that remark right now. I, I, you know, I love how Pat would segment the Rumbles. It wasn't just like a steady stream of people coming out. Now, I was told, well, that's what the Royal Rumble is. No, no, it's not. It was better when Pat booked it. Sorry. Um, you know, we can't, uh, you know, Forget about his role as one of the Stooges mm-hmm. on screen. They were a very uh, important part of that whole Mr. McMahon character in 1998. I thought uh, the introductions he does at that Over the Edge 98 I'll bring up again are just unbelievable. I mean, I'm in tears still this day when I watch it, when he introduces Jerry Briscoe and, you know, talks about, you know, the the beating Tom Tom and everything like that. And the modern incarnation of Jim Thorpe. I mean, I'm just in tears when you listen to that stuff. Um, <laughs> it, you know, I, I don't know if this is what he would want to be known for, uh, but uh, you know, he, he was the guy who convinced Bret Hart. It was okay to be in the sharpshooter in Montreal. You, you mentioned. Yep. Uh, Came up with the it, spot, but yep, supposedly you, they, the story has been, he didn't know about the double cross. Maybe that was to protect him. But uh, yeah, because he was so trusted with the boys. Yeah, but uh, you know, you mentioned how Pat was always like the go-to guy for coming up with finishes. Yeah, for years, um, he, he he would come up with good finishes. Uh, you know, in, in that wrestling with Shadows Doc, as a matter of fact, I, I think they show him multiple times going over finishes uh, with Brett in '97. I think the SummerSlam match yep. with Taker, and then the Canadian Stampede. Right? I think it's Brett the, and Pat yeah. like talk. Talking the Canadian Stampede the one, you hear a lot of them going back and forth. That, that was the first time, one of the first times I became very familiar with him. And how much Pat Patterson liked to swear. <laughs> yeah. A lot of swearing. By the way, did you know that I think when he got in the wrestling business, he didn't speak any English at all? French-Canadian. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you talk about his introductions and what you hear backstage with him you know, doing that booking and wrestling with shadows. Pretty remarkable. But uh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, uh, you, you talk about legacy. It lives on today, even. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll bring a little humor to the situation here. Uh, you know, he got Linda McMahon to tweet to think to Stephanie. <laughs> you see that? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Justin, you didn't see that, huh? There was a tweet from the Linda McMahon account at Steph McMahon. Think. <laughs> That's all it said. What the hell is that about? I don't know, but it came right after the news of Patterson passing away. Uh-huh. Yep. And, and I think she like just forgot to delete it because I think her next tweet started with the word think or something like, I, I don't know what it was, but yeah. The, 
actually what a come to think of it, it's probably one of Linda McMahon's better tweets, <laughs> quite frankly. Kyle, have you seen much footage of him working with Stevens as the Blonde Bombers? No, not as much as I should have. Yeah, I haven't either. I, yeah. Viewers are seeing on the screen right now, I got a picture up of them. I think this is from when they were the AWA tag champs, you know, later, late 70s. But, uh, I mean, you go back to the mid-60s when they originally, you know, kind of went wild in, in California and became such huge stars. But I, I also haven't either. That's something yeah. that I want to go back and watch. Whatever I can get a hold of, at least. Yeah, well, when, when you get to the 70s, all of a sudden, I, I kind of, my knowledge takes a, a drastic nosedive. Yeah, sadly, I try to do as much as I can. But yeah, I think, um, you know, uh, yeah, his his influence behind the scenes was was immense. And, you know, not just the Royal Rumbles, but when Pat kind of fell out of power, for lack of a better phrase, I think I think it hurt the company, quite frankly, in the early aughts. Yeah. You know, he was said, you know, that, you know, there were certain things he didn't you know, agree with that were going on at that time. People probably know that. And, um, I, I don't know. I, to me, creatively, the company was not as good, has not been as good uh, since Pat Patterson has not been in a prominent role. Agreed. Do you know about what time frame that was? Like 03. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, yeah. Go ahead, the, the one. One thing I would just like to point out is it would have happened eventually. I think it was inevitable, but apparently he was a big supporter of some of the quote unquote smaller guys becoming world champions like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Um, go ahead, Kyle. No, he he was the guy who came up with the Iron Man match too. We should, he, he's credited. Yeah, that, that was, yep, that was his idea to at main event WrestleMania 12. He, I think in that WrestleMania doc spoke, uh, um, you know, quite uh, with reverence of that idea. He's like, Vince, I've got this idea. Let's let Brett and Sean go an hour and headline WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and all you have to do is you just need to get on Twitter and look at all the WWE superstars uh, and what they're saying about him to know how important he was. And not only that, but just to see what his eye for talent was. Uh, Sami Zayn is on there saying that, you know, for a time he was the only one that really had his back. Uh, Kevin Owens had a really good video uh, talking about Pat Patterson. So I, you know, I, I agree with everything you guys have been saying and especially that I think he's number two for like the greatest mind uh, in wrestling history or at, at least WWE history. Sorry. Yeah. You, you can make that case for sure. Uh, and if, <laughs> if you need like kind of a concrete uh, way to see, you know, how good Patterson could be at laying out a match. Watch Warrior and Hogan at Skydome. A match that he mm. laid out. It, it mm-hmm. was it was considered, remember, in 1990, you know, now guys lay out all their matches ahead of time and know all the spots. That was not the thing. I mean, they actually rehearsed that match before, which was unheard of during that time period. But watch that. And then watch Hogan and Warrior work eight years later in WCW when Pat Patterson is not agenting the match and see how shitty that was. <laughs> okay. Yes. So, I mean, that that's an example of, of, you know, how Pat knew how to put together a match uh, on top like that. So, yeah, real good stuff. Um, you talk about, you know, some of the eye for talent he had. Ryan, earlier you mentioned The Rock. You know, it, it, it's pretty impressive that, and Jim Cornette uh, was also a big supporter of The Rock too. I know some people don't like Jim Cornette anymore, but um, 
we should mention, I mean, they, they went to Vince and they're like, this is the guy. Like, you need to push this guy. Mm-hmm. And obviously The Rock, I, I don't know if you know this, he became a very big star <laughs> in pro wrestling. <laughs> yeah, if you need I, any more evidence as to what an icon he is, go watch the Andre the Giant doc where in the sit-down interviews with Pat Patterson, behind him, he has a framed picture of himself wearing the exact same clothes he's wearing in the interview. <laughs> Legend. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, it, it's hard to find veterans of the wrestling industry that have been as impactful as he has over the years. I, I know, like, Especially when you look at the, you know, the, the tributes that were coming in right after his death, of course. Like, the other one that comes to mind is Dusty. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, everyone talking mm-hmm. about Dusty yeah. right after his passing. Like, you know, he was like a father figure at NXT in the Performance Center. Yes. But man, yeah, Pat Patterson, like right up there too. I mean, those those two, when it comes to the last couple of decades, it's hard to find anyone behind the scenes more influential. And it's a huge loss for the business. What a motley crew they had in the creative process in the late 90s. Patterson, Bruce Pritchard, Jim Ross, Jim Cornette, and Vince Russo. Imagine being at that meeting. <laughs> Now, that is some bonus footage I'd like to see thrown up on WWE Network. Some some tells me that didn't go as smoothly as, like, you know, everyone just kind of nodding at Vince in today's creative meetings, man. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I love the story Jim Ross told. Was it on one of the dark side of the rings or was it his podcast? I can't remember. That he had to carry Jim Cornette out one time because he kept making fun of Kevin Dunn's buck teeth. I think that was on Dark Side. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I do remember that. I oh, just yeah. picture that. Like, he's, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, Jim, they know I'm friends with you. You're yeah. killing me, man. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, anyways, if you're looking for something to do this weekend, try to look up some old Pat Patterson footage. Uh, rest in peace. Obviously, huge, huge loss. Wanted to pay tribute to a legend of the industry tonight. I, if we didn't say anything, I mean, that would have been... Would have been the wrong move because, uh, yeah, you got got to talk about Pat Patterson a little bit this week. And uh, we're thinking of him and his family for sure. So, guys, I mean, overall, it's been a fun show. It's good to see you guys again after a week and a half away. And uh, we'll be coming back real soon. As I said at the top of the broadcast, guys, subscribe. Leave us those five-star ratings if you want to help us out. Follow us on Spotify. Like I said, it's a huge avenue of growth for us. And then uh, if you want to dive into some of those uh, Top Rope Nation classic shows we've done, if you like hearing us talk old school wrestling, you will love those shows. Patreon.com slash Top Rope Nation. And lastly, check out the discussion group on Facebook. Search Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion. Join the group. Join in on the daily discussions on the wrestling business. Uh, Myself, Kyle, and Justin are there each and every day. I just thought of something. I forgot yeah. about this. I can't believe I forgot about this. I was thinking about adding a new segment to the show. Uh-oh. Middle of the show, what do you guys think if I just went over traffic patterns in Cedar Falls and Waterloo, Iowa? <laughs> what? <sighs> no. Especially if it has to do with Christmas lights. Please, no. <laughs> oh, uh, God damn it. <laughs> Damn it, you guys think I thought thought that was going to be a big winter joke that was going to have you guys in tears. Oh, Oh, damn it. It took me a second and then I realized. Oh, I wrote displays last week and we're not a lot of fun here. Yeah, I jotted that one down. I said, we're working this one into the show next week. (laughs) Damn it. Two hours for a a five minute freaking Christmas light show. Was not worth the wait. That is for sure. I'm sorry. (laughs) Our listeners have no clue what we're talking about. What is he talking about? Yes. Oh, man. Behind the scenes. There you go. Anyways, 
follow Kyle on Twitter. You see his username here on the YouTube feed, at TRP Kyle. You can find Justin at Justin Joint. I am at Ryan Drosty. We'll be back next week. Find the show at Top Rope Nation. We're on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter as well. We'll see you guys next time. Have a great weekend. From San Francisco, California, weighing 240 pounds, And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend, I'll say it clear I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I lived a life that's full I traveled each and every highway And more, much more than this I did it my way For what is a man? What has he got? If not himself Then he has not